welcome back to Kitty Liquor. That's L-I-Q-U-O-R. Don't get it twisted. This is episode three, and I'm back with more chatty topics, another Kitty Lixer, and a new mascot right here, this beautiful gold cat that was 3D printed by a company that I found on Etsy. Uh, It did come with the tail broken, so I had to... (laughs) fix it and I used eyelash glue because I was out of crazy glue and sometimes you just have to improvise and that seemed to work Uh, I feel like if I knock it with my hand or my elbow it will break again but I'll just be careful not to do that how are all of you how has your week gone I'm assuming I'm posting this on Friday I think that that's kind of the schedule that I'm going to keep Uh, So that means you've had a full week of interesting things going on. And uh, how was it? Let me know in the comments down below. (laughs) So today I have a jam-packed episode full of interesting topics and uh, some kind of morbid, morbid topics. But we're going to still have fun with it and we're not going to be sad or be down about it (laughs) because some of these are crazy stories. Uh, Two of them, in fact, are quite uh, shocking. And uh, I'm just going to just go with the flow. What I do is that's what I normally do. I just talk and uh, discuss things off the top of my head. And uh, I do have some things written down, (laughs) but let's just get straight into it. Um, One thing I want to say is uh, this video is sponsored by no one. You're welcome. (laughs) Uh, It drives me nuts sometimes when I watch certain podcasts and they have so many sponsorships. And luckily with my YouTube app, I can just double tap the screen and fast forward through them. But uh, it's still still a little annoying, even though the podcast that I watch, especially Bad Friends, when they do their ads, sometimes I will watch them because... They're just goofballs and make me laugh like crazy. Anyway, uh, so as I mentioned, this is sponsored by no one. So what I'm going to do is promote my <laughs> my micro bikini high tier happening May 1st. And uh, it starts May 1st and runs through to May 25th. Uh, 25 days of micro bikinis. That's 25 videos, 25 different micro bikinis. And uh, I'm sure you remember me talking about it in the last podcast. But just so you know, it's starting tomorrow and I'm so excited and they're so sexy and just I'm this time this time around um, I went all out with trying to find unique micro bikinis not just your typical micro and if you don't know what a micro bikini is I did show some in the last video but it's just basically a miniature bikini that just covers the nips and the peach pretty much. <laughs> so that starts tomorrow. Uh, there'll be more information on my Patreon page, of course, if you go check that out. That's uh, patreon.com slash catwonders. And um, once if you participate in that tier, you get access to all of my other content. Hundreds of sexy try on videos. I mean, binge watch for six days straight if you want. And I also have an OnlyFans that is $5 a month. Patreon starts at five bucks a month too. So just so you know. And that is my ad. I sponsored myself. (laughs) I need a sip after that long-winded promotion. 
Holy, holy sheet. This is, this is different than the last one. This one is more tart. It's more fruity. And more delicious. I do have to be careful though. I can taste it. There is a lot of alcohol in there. So things might get a little, woo, a little crazy. Hopefully I didn't blow your eardrums off. Uh, I'm not a, I should, okay. I don't know if you've ever heard of a woo girl, like girls that are like, woo, yeah, always just like, woo, woo. Uh, that, it's not me. But then I think back and I realize that actually, I think I might be a woo girl. I really get enthusiastic about certain things. And if someone does something incredible, like say I'm on a boat with a bunch of people and then somebody's freestyle wakeboarding or whatever, and they make a, a sweet spin or something, I am inclined to, woo! Uh, so I guess I am. I don't know. I think everybody might, I don't know. I think they're talking about when they say woo girls, it's just girls that are like, woo, party, woo. Like they get drinking and they start to get all get all wild and crazy. Um, so I guess maybe I, <laughs> maybe I am. <laughs> uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with being a woo girl. I think everybody should have a woo girl at their party. Uh, that's just a suggestion. So I... Am going to start the podcast off with a question for you. What would you do if you won the lottery? Now, we've all thought about it. We've all fantasized about it. And I'm sure that in, in some sense, if it were to happen, we'd have kind of an idea of what we'd like to do or buy or so I thought about this and I thought well if I won the lottery 10 million dollars say okay that's that's the number if I won 10 million dollars the first thing that I would do would be to contact a financial advisor <laughs> or find somebody in your family that may be in finances and discuss the proper moves. So I know, and I've heard numerous times stories of people that have won the lottery and lost it all. I personally know somebody who won the lottery and uh, they're still going strong. So it doesn't happen to everyone. Uh, but I don't know if the lottery company like offers financial advisors to people who win the lottery, if they just hand a check. If they're like, here's your hundred million dollars, go blow it. Or, you know, I feel like almost the, cause here in Canada, we've got Lotto 649, Lotto Max. And I, I don't know, I can't think of another one, but do they have somebody there that says, Hey, Mr. Smith, congratulations. You just won a hundred million dollars. $10 million. Sorry, that's the figure that we decided on. And I'm here to help you make the right decisions with your cash. D is, does that happen? Is there somebody there? Because there should be. <laughs> you know, like I said, time and time again, I've heard stories of people um, blowing it and winding up with nothing. So that would not be me. 
I would, if, if there was not a financial advisor offered to me, I would find one. Then, you know, sometimes, depending on the amount that you've won, uh, you, you could just live off the interest. So you put it in a bank somewhere and they'll pay you a certain percentage of interest every month. And then you just keep your money and just live off the bank's money, pretty much. <laughs> that would be a plan. I don't know what $10 million would get you every month. I'm thinking more like $100 million would be more kind of up my alley. <laughs> uh, and then what I would do is start to invest. And once I figured out kind of what I wanted to buy, whether it be stocks, probably not, probably more like land and, you know, other things like that and sort of figured out a way to set myself up for the future to make my money, make more money for me, right? That's the smart thing to do. You don't want to blow it and then wind up with no money. So that's where a financial advisor would come in. <laughs> uh, I should be sponsored by a financial advisor. If anybody out there wants to sponsor one of my videos, uh, feel free. But what would I do with the remain, or what would I do with the extra, like the f to have fun, you know, and look after my family? Uh, that would be a priority for me. Would be to kind of pay off everybody's debts. I have a big family. So I'd have to really <laughs> decide maybe it would be like one figure per person because is it fair if, say, your cousin is $50,000 in debt and your other cousin is $10,000 in debt and you pay off their debts? Well, you spent forty more thousand dollars on one cousin than the other. So what I would probably have to do is give everybody kind of a lump sum that would help them out a lot and then cap it. You know what I mean? Then there are things like certain charities and um, certain people maybe in the community that could really use some help or a local library or something like that. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I'm not like, I guess I am a philanthropist at heart. I would like to really, if I had the money, I would like to really adopt 10,000 children at Christmas time. <laughs> buy them all gifts. Uh, you know, I'm really passionate about senior citizens. They melt my heart. My Oma and my Opa. My Opa has since passed away, but my Oma is a senior citizen. And uh, I think that there's so much that can be done for them. And uh, I know not everybody's passionate about seniors, but I am. And just even kind gestures like sending them all a little care package at Christmas or writing them a card. There's actually a charity called, um, what is it called? I'm going to have to figure that one out. It's called like, it's, it's not adopt a senior. It's, uh, oh, geez, I, I'm sorry. I can't remember. I will remember and like maybe put a banner across right here. But for those of you listening, that doesn't really help you out. But I'll figure a way. I'll figure out a way to get you to to hear about it. But uh, I got really into watching some of their promotional videos for helping seniors. And what what it is essentially is is people write letters to seniors. I know it's not the same thing as sending a letter personally. So writing somebody's name and saying, "Dear Susie, Gertrude, or whatever." <laughs> uh, 
I hope you have a wonderful day. I'm thinking about you. And here's a little gift. Uh, This charity focuses on kind of getting as many letters as possible to send to seniors. Uh, But like I said, it's not, I know it's kind of like, it's not the same as, I know I keep repeating myself, but it's not the same as them receiving a letter from someone that they know. And, but you know what? So many of these seniors don't see anybody. They don't receive any mail. Nobody visits them or cares about them, or they may not, they may not feel like they do because, you know, they might have family and loved ones, but they don't ever go, you know, they don't ever go to see their grandmother or their opa or their, you know, they don't. And it's so heartbreaking for me. And, you know, when I was little, I used to cry when I would see an old person. I even get choked up thinking about it. Um, just, and it's so silly, but I remember watching an old person, like an old man digging through the garbage can and right away I got choked up and I was super upset about it and just wanted to help him or give him money or something. And then my mom, I think, I think it was my mom that said, oh, you know what? He's perfectly fine. He's just looking for bottles to make a few extra cents. This older generation is just wasteful to, you know, think about cans going in the garbage. And he probably is a millionaire for all you know. You know, it's not like, you know, he's living on the streets and and just suffering, right? And so it kind of snapped me out of it a little bit. And But it's just this thing. I just have this thing about senior citizens. So (laughs) I'm way off track here, but I would definitely do something to help out the senior community. Visit them. I don't know. There's so many different things that you can do to brighten somebody's day. Uh, But a lot of times just visiting them is what they need just to have somebody show up, you know, because guess what? If we're lucky, we'll get to be old, old people. And we're all going to be there one day, whether it be taken care of by our families is the is the real goal to have your family around you and not be shoved in some place where, you know, you're forgotten about, right? But I fully believe in karma and... I know, and I know in my heart that the kind things that you do for people and the nice things that you do and you go out of your way for others and it will all come back to you somehow, sometime. And I don't do things specifically because I'm thinking about myself in the future, (laughs) you know, doing nice things for seniors, uh, in expectation of something in return but just being a good person in general that's sort of the goal and uh anyway that's what I would do with my (laughs) with my winnings and uh yeah I mean I have won like $50 on a scratch and win one time Uh, I've known a few people to get thousand dollars winnings on gold rush scratch and wins twice I know somebody who got it who won a thousand dollars twice, and I was there the second time. And I was just like, "What do you got a horseshoe up your ass? What the hell?" And then there's people that are like, "I never win anything, and I never, you know." Well, if you don't, 
if you don't try to win something, you're not going to win it. Like if you don't put your name in the draw, you're not going to win. So there are people that just constantly are entering things and and there they win or they're always buying lottery tickets and they win. Not to say that they're ahead in the game, because if you tallied up all the money they spent on gambling and the money that they've won, then there's probably a big discrepancy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I just thought that I would touch on that topic. Okay, so I'm going to pull up a story here that I heard. I actually heard it on TikTok. I, by the way, I am not a TikTok person. I'm not obsessed with TikTok. I rarely go on it. I'm more of an Instagram homepage type person. And it's just a way for me to just completely disconnect. If I'm relaxing and just want to veg on something, then um, it's Instagram, not TikTok. And if you go to my TikTok page, you'll see that I'm not a TikToker either. Now, there are people that say that the story is true. And then there are people that say that the story is made up, totally false. I got the biggest chills after hearing this. Uh, I had to look into it. And uh, I'm not going to say whether or not I've I found out the truth. But I'll let you guys do your own research and then comment down below. I am going to have to read this to you because I want to get all the facts straight facts maybe maybe they are maybe they're not I swear you know what I'm going to be sharing the kitty elixir uh, secret ingredients to my patrons share to my patrons share the secret ingredients with my patrons uh, so if you want to find it out then go to patreon.com slash cat Okay, so let me just start by, uh, I'm not going to do any backstory, I'm just going to start reading. I apologize for those of you watching me uh, for my eyes looking away from the camera, but those of you listening, you're in luck. Uh, by the way, this is a fear of mine. It has been from the time I was little, reading publicly has always been, a f I can read, I can read well. But for some reason, I psych myself out so much while I'm reading that I stumble my words and lose my breath. Uh, so this is an exercise for me. <laughs> so bear with me. All right. Of all tales of the supernatural, this one is perhaps the best documented and the most disturbing and the most difficult to explain. It's the reason why I'm reading it out. The princess of Amun-Ra lived some 1,500 years before Christ. When she died, she was laid in an ornate wooden coffin and buried deep in a vault at Luxor on the banks of the Nile. In the late 1890s, four rich young Englishmen visiting the excavations at Luxor were invited to buy an exquisitely fashioned mummy case containing the remains of Princess Amun-Ra. They drew lots. The man who won paid several thousand pounds and had the coffin taken to his hotel. A few hours later, he was seen walking out towards the desert. He never returned. What? The next day, one of the remaining three men was shot by an Egyptian servant accidentally. His arm was so severely wounded it had to be amputated. The third man in the, f in the foursome found on his return 
home (laughs) that the bank holding his entire savings had failed. The fourth guy suffered a severe illness, lost his job, and was reduced to selling matches in the street. I I guess that used to be a thing, hey? Like the story of a little match girl selling matches in the street? Hmm. Nevertheless, the coffin reached England, causing other misfortunes along the way, where it was brought where it was bought by a London businessman. After three of his family members had been injured in a road accident and his house damaged by fire, the businessman donated it to the British Museum. As the coffin was being unloaded from a truck at the museum courtyard, the truck suddenly went into reverse and trapped a passerby. Then, as the casket was being lifted up the stairs by two workmen, one fell and broke his leg. The other, apparently in perfect health, died unaccountably two days later. (laughs) Once the prince was installed in the Egyptian room, oh, sorry, once the princess was installed in the Egyptian room, trouble really started. The museum's night watchman frequently heard heard frantic hammering and sobbing from the coffin. Other exhibits in the room were also often hurled about at night. One watchman died on duty, making the other watchman wanting to quit. Cleaners refused to go near the princess, too. When a visitor diversely flicked a dust cloth at the face painted on the coffin, his child died of measles soon afterward. Finally, the authorities had the mummy carried down to the basement, figuring it could do no no harm down there. Within a week, one of the helpers was seriously ill, and the supervisor of the move was found dead at his desk. By now, the papers had heard of it, A journalist photographer took a picture of the mummy, and when he developed it, the painting on the coffin was of a horrifying human face. The photographer was said to have gone home, then locked his bedroom door and shot himself. Holy. Soon afterwards, the museum sold the mummy to a private collector. After a continual misfortune and deaths, the owner banished it to the attic. A well-known authority on the occult... Madame Helena Blavatsky visited the premises. Upon entry, she was seized with a shivering fit and searched the house for source for the source of an evil influence of incredible intensity. She finally came to the attic and found the mummy case. Can you exorcise this evil spirit? asked the owner. There is no such thing as exorcism. Evil remains evil forever. Nothing can be done about it. I implore you to get rid of this evil as soon as possible. But no British museum would take the mummy. In fact, that almost 20 people had met... Oh, the fact that almost 20 people had met with misfortune, disaster, or death from handling the casket in barely 10 years was now well known. Eventually, a hard-headed American archaeologist who dismissed the happenings as quirks of circumstance paid a handsome price for the mummy and arranged for its... Removal to New York. In April 1912, the new owner escorted its treasure aboard a sparkling new White Star liner about to make its maiden voyage to New York. On the night of April 14th, amid scenes of unprecedented horror, the Princess of Amun-Ra accompanied 1,500 passengers to their deaths at the bottom of the Atlantic. The name of the ship was, of course, the Titanic. So when I heard this story, sorry, the end, (laughs) when I heard this story, I thought to myself, what the heck? 
How come I have never heard of this? Why the hell was the Titanic movie about Rose and Jack? It should have been about this. So if this is true, or if you know more about this, then comment down below because this story blows my mind. And if this freaking mummy was on the Titanic and it sank, I mean, it, the Titanic did sink. But if it's laying on the bottom of the Atlantic right now with everybody else that perished, why have I not heard about this? This is insane. So, so I just thought I'd share that with you. Uh, and Because like I said, I don't know if you got chills the same way I did, but interesting. Uh, so yeah. So as you can see, <laughs> as I'm reading, I get a little ahead of myself sometimes and uh, yeah, a little nervous, but it is what it is. I've always been somebody who is a bit thrill seeking and um, I love loud, crazy thunderstorms, insane weather, hail, whenever it's hailing, it just gives me this feeling like, yes, like, it's just so exciting. <laughs> um, really loud, like helicopters, planes, roller coasters, turbulence. I pray for turbulence. And I'm telling you, more than anybody you know, I love it. When it starts to kick in, it just gives me this feeling like, woo! <laughs> I am a woo girl. <laughs> uh, love it. Love it. It just gives me this great feeling of satisfaction. <laughs> and with that comes disappointment when you see a big thunderstorm rolling in and then it peters off to nothing. Or that little bumpy uh, experience on the plane, the little bit of turbulence you get goes away and it turns into so you know it's equally as disappointing because <laughs> most of the time uh natural crazy occurrences and they're they're not that common so uh but do I have a story for you so I'm not sure exactly how to tell the story whether I uh shorten it but I've, I have an issue with, with like going into too much detail. Essentially, I'll sum it up and then I'll tell you the story. So I, uh, my sister and my cousin and I took a random helicopter flight uh, and our helicopter had engine failure. Let me tell you the story. <laughs> so this was last summer. So this is fairly recent. So my sister and my cousin and I were traveling to an Airbnb in Kelowna and uh, we were meeting our other cousin that was coming from the other direction and uh, of course the highway was closed. Uh, we knew it that morning uh, but anyway we, we decided to go because uh, it's highway one and highway one closes often but it opens uh, sometimes just as quickly as it closes uh, depending on what what happened. But unfortunately, we, uh, it was a natural disaster. <laughs> so there was flooding, uh, there was water and muck across the road. There was also water flowing under the highway, which was, of course, compromising the integrity of the road. And I thought to myself, well, I guess we're stuck here. Um, and so we were stuck actually in Revelstoke. Now, I had the idea to just basically rent a hotel room because worst case scenario, we could stay there until it opened up at one, two in the morning uh, as the diversion route 
was already like four hours backed up. You had to take a ferry, but because everybody was going around, it was going to take forever. So I thought, well, worst case scenario, we'll just have to go the next day when they figure everything out. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> my cousin had already started to head down, so she was going to make it there before, and she would have had to spend the night by herself. Not the end of the world, but I had booked a wine tour, and we had booked all these things, and I called to see if I could kind of, they would make an exception and, and allow us to go the following day, because we were supposed to go the next day, but we wouldn't make it until probably that day, so we thought, well, the next day is fine. Nope. They wouldn't budget. And that was that was really disappointing because that was the point of our trip. We were going to go like wine tasting and be in the Okanagan. And so we're sitting in the hotel room and uh, I'm thinking to myself, why don't we just take a helicopter? And my sister was like, yeah, that would be sweet. My other cousin was kind of a little silent, but agreeable and kind of thinking, yeah, okay, well, there was no details yet. So it was like, what was it going to cost? Was it even available? So it turns out that the guy was ready to go right there. And it was a decent price. So he said, come on down to the hangar. Let's go. So we were pumped. We had all of our stuff. And we were going to make it we called our other cousin we were meeting. We were going to be there and everything was going to be dandy. And I'd been in a helicopter before, but my sister and my cousin had not. So they were excited too, uh, because it's just fun. Helicopters are sweet. Well, I used to think so. <laughs> so we get to the hangar. Uh, the pilot uh, makes us watch the safety video that we completely laughed through. <laughs> we laughed through the safety video. I don't recommend that, by the way. Please watch the safety videos. Anyway, so uh, we load our stuff into the helicopter. We hop in. My sister's in the front with a pilot, and my cousin and I are, cousin and I are in the back. Uh, and we start. We fire the thing up, and we're off. So we all have headsets on. We couldn't really figure them out at first because uh, I would be talking, and if you're mouth is too far away from the microphone it wasn't picking it up so we were having some like communication issues at the beginning what totally had nothing to do with the story but <laughs> just a little detail <laughs> too much detail and we're starting to head to Kelowna and uh, we were going kind of like a what's the word when you fly a straight line like we're flying a straight line from Revelstoke to Kelowna and uh, it was gorgeous beautiful it was a amazingly gorgeous day I felt like you know the scene where you're flying it they're flying into Jurassic Park or wherever they're going the islands that's what it felt like and uh, we were laughing and joking and asking questions I actually asked the pilot who had 27 years he'd been flying for 27 years and he had 11,000 hours of flight time so I asked him I said hey have you ever seen an alien <laughs> Have you ever seen anything unexplainable? Uh, and he said, no, no, he never had. And that was that. <laughs> but I thought it was an, an interesting question to ask. I always ask pilots if I if they've been flying for any time, length of time, if they've ever seen anything kind of UFO-ish. So no, he had not. Uh, and um, anyway, so we're, we're kind of getting towards Kelowna. 
uh, takes about 50 minutes from Revelstoke to Kelowna. Uh, and driving, I think, would be about two and a half hours, maybe more. Anyway, so we're over Kalamalka Lake. And this is a lake just outside of Vernon. Uh, and beautiful, gorgeous. We were just over the mountains, you know, where we're seeing little private lakes everywhere, little ones that you would never see if you were not flying overhead. And um, we're taking video and photos. And suddenly, the helicopter, uh, let me just explain it this way. When you're in a helicopter, if you've never been in one, you have your headset on, helicopters are quite loud. And when you have your headset on, all you can really hear is, it's like a high-pitched the sound of the rotors and the engine and everything else. And um, the only way I can describe it is unexpectedly, our helicopter goes from and we started to fear of off. Like we actually were flying straight, of course. And then when that little hiccup happened, we dove down off to the right, like at a 45 degree angle. Now, my sunglasses flew off at this point. Everything on our laps flew off. It was a jolt. Now, our pilot, who had been very vocal the entire time, was completely silent. Now, that's when I knew that something was not right. My sister piped in and said, that was normal, right? And the pilot was quiet. And then he said, no. That's not normal. So then I realize that there are some sort of mechanical issues happening with the helicopter and we're way the hell up in the sky. I mean, really high. <laughs> so my stomach, of course, does this thing where it feels like it's kind of right up here in my throat. And I'm looking at my beautiful cousin and my beautiful sister. And I'm, tr I'm thinking to myself, what the hell have I done? I made this decision. Here we are. And so he said that he was going to take it down in, in a field over there. He said, I'm going to take it down in, that, in this field. And my sister heard him say, we're going to go down at this speed or we're going to hit the ground at this speed. <laughs> so she's like, what? So she misheard him. Anyway, it's just kind of a little funny thing we joke about because that was she just literally the look on her face so I didn't nothing was clarified we kind of just went into like hyper survival mode and he starts to head towards this field now my cousin my sister and I are all looking at each other with eyes this big but we're silent now at this point the helicopters regain control and we start heading towards this field and we're still very high up and I forgot to mention one point when the first, the first hiccup happened when my glasses flew off and everything flew off, something sprayed me in the back of my head right here. And I'm on the driver's side at the rear. Now, right away, what I did when this happened, I, t I tasted it because I was like, is this jet fuel? Is it hydraulic fuel, you know, like our hydraulic fluid? Um, but it was just water. I think it just, I don't know. But it was simultaneous with this whole thing. So I was thinking, is the engine about to explode? Uh, anyway, so as we're heading towards this farmer's field, 
uh, again, it starts to break down. And this time, uh, I don't think it was more intense, but our feelings were that we're going to, we're going to freaking die. This is it, you know, because I've never seen a helicopter hit the ground at any speed, like above landing speed and the thing doesn't explode. So funny, funny thing is, is that you think about yourself in these situations and you think that you'd be calling your family or you'd be taking photos. None of that was going on. It was literally silence, complete silence in that thing. And I'm thinking that, okay, I don't remember how to open the door. I didn't watch the safety video. And my sister's in the front with the pilot, but there's like a plexiglass division. So I'm thinking, how am I going to get? Because I we're in five-point harnesses. I'm trying to figure out how to get my cousin out, myself out, and my sister out. The pilot, <laughs> sorry to say, but he would be the last one that I'd save. So also thinking about where not to hit my head if we hit hard. And um, so we go into this corkscrew. Now, in my mind, you can land a helicopter, you know, you can land a helicopter, just land it, right? But what I didn't realize was that the pilot shut the engine off. Now, what he was doing, the corkscrew, was he was forcing air up in t- through the rotors to uh, have lift because I didn't know this, but helicopters can glide like planes do. So not plane, not the same way, but if there's air going up through those rotors, uh, you can land a helicopter with the engine completely shut off. So we land in this farmer's field after two G-force, and I mean G-force corkscrews. We land and... We have to wait for the rotors to stop spinning before we get out. And I'm telling you, man, it was a, the softest, most gentle landing ever. In fact, our pilot told us after that there was enough lift to take back up off the ground again if we wanted to. Um, now, let me just say this. My whole life, being a thrill seeker, praying for turbulence and thunderstorms. Uh, The universe granted my wish. (laughs) It gave me the ride of a lifetime. Uh, And ironically enough, my cousin and my sister were talking about this exact thing the night before that we had this experience. We were discussing, why do we like that? Like, because my sister and my cousin and I are all very similar in that sense. And I think a lot of people do like thunderstorms and and are just like really excited by these type of things. And ironically, the next day, that was that was kind of that was what happened. Uh, So I found out uh, from the pilot who assumed it was a compressor issue. It was the number two compressor failed. And uh, they were going to send another helicopter to pick us up to take us to the Kelowna airport because we were right outside of Predator Ridge. I'm sure most of you don't know where that is, but uh, just outside of Kelowna, about an hour-ish. And uh, 
so we yeah we didn't make it to the airport but they were going to send another helicopter we're like nope <laughs> we're good we'll just hitchhike or you know risk our lives on the highway <laughs> on the ground okay so uh the pilot uh essentially i found out later because when we were driving back home uh we saw the helicopter was still in the field. This is three days later. I found out that the engine was completely shot and they weren't going to be able to fix it. So we had to buy a whole new quarter million dollar engine for that helicopter. Funny thing is, is that it was a quarter of its way through its life. So helicopters have a lifespan or the engines have a lifespan and they break that lifespan into quarters. So, you know, towards the third, fourth quarter, they start to do maybe more maintenance, more inspection, stuff like that. But this was a quarter of its way through its lifespan. So it shouldn't have done, that should not have happened. That kind of thing is extremely rare. Um, Our pilot, like I said, who had been flying for 27 years and had 11,000 hours of flight time, he said, that has never happened to me in my whole life. Excellent, I thought. Wow. Well, you know what? He knew what to do. As far as I know, he saved our lives. I mean, you don't leave the engine running at 30,000 RPM when shit starts messing up. You know what I mean? Like, think about how all the right things that have to be happening for that engine to work properly. And when something's spinning that fast and there are things throwing it off, well, you, you know, you got to get on, on the ground as fast as you can, or you turn the engine off so it doesn't explode. <laughs> and then you land it that way. Um, and that's why he was doing the corkscrews, like I said, just to kind of force air up into the rotors. And so that after that experience, uh, we did have a great weekend. We uh, proceeded to go on our wine tour. We went to five different wineries. Highly recommend. Uh, and uh we just had a great time and I don't know if my sister or my cousin will ever get back on a helicopter. The fact that this was extremely rare is helpful kind of to think about, well, it's probably not going to happen again, but I still, every time I see a helicopter or hear one, uh, we have a lot around where I live. It's, it's a little gutting just, 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 wanted to share that with you. (laughs) Um, Let me know if you guys have had any similar experiences. uh, Because this that that was the closest, I think, I came to really feeling like things could end pretty, pretty quickly here. It's different than a car accident, because you have an accident happens so fast. But when you're up in the air, you have time to think about it and time to try to figure out how you're going to land. <laughs> okay, this metal bar is here. I don't want to hit my head there. So if we land, I got to lean this way. And uh, so, yeah, and every second that we got closer to the ground, it was like, yes, okay, we're that much closer. And f- when we landed, I'm telling you, I got out, I kissed the freaking ground. I kissed the ground. Uh, another thing is there were three bald eagles flying in circles above us after we had landed. And I'm not sure... If it's just a coincidence, because the eagles were like, that is a big ass bird. What's going on? And then they were curious. But it was ironic because there were three of us, not including the pilot. 
And um, it was almost like my opa or the universe was just giving us a little wink and a nod, you know? <laughs> uh, all right, moving on from that. Uh, I'll probably cut a lot of that out because it's a lot of unnecessary information, but um, just wanted to share that with you. Another story that caught my attention. Let me just have a drink after that one. By the way, I don't really, I don't really drink martinis like I drink them on camera. I don't know what it is, but I'm so conscious about what I'm doing that it's really weird. I'm gonna try to have a sip like I that I like I normally would. That was better. Less slurping. Like, why am I doing that? I have no idea. Uh, so some of you may have heard the story. Maybe not. This is also, this is another kind of morbid thing, but interesting nonetheless. So apparently, I think it was back in like 2013. If I'm mistaken, I apologize. Um, you can look the story up. Uh, the In Russia, there was this guy. He was actually an, a historian. Um the police, for some reason, had some suspicions about something that was going on. Um, and they went into his apartment to investigate whatever they were suspicious of. I think that he had been caught in a graveyard with like a bag of bones or something like that. Um, I'm not sure if it was related, but police went into his apartment when he wasn't there and discovered 29 bodies in his apartment. Now, the bodies were dressed up like dolls. And, but they were mummified. So he somehow mummified them. But they were all dressed up like dolls. And they and he put music boxes in their chests. And according to this guy, he was trying to bring them back to life. Now, there is video footage of the police going into his apartment. And there are photos of a couple of these mummified bodies. Uh, check it out if you want to. Um, if I find, you know what, I'm going to, I'll, let me write it down. I'm going to attach a link to the description box of this video. For those of you listening, then you can go to my YouTube channel and uh, find it there. But apparently, they were the bodies of young girls that ha that he had dug up from the graveyard a few blocks away. Uh, and this story, when I, I, it's one of those stories that there will be a movie made about it. And if there isn't, then I'll be really disappointed because this story. I've never heard anything like it, where a guy goes and robs graves, brings the bodies back to his apartment, dresses them up, sorry, mummifies them, puts a music box in their chest, dresses them up like dolls, and keeps them around his apartment. This is a real story. Now, some of the facts that I'm stating might not be 100% true, but you can look up the article for yourself. I'm pretty much just summing it up. That is insane to me. That is the craziest thing I have ever heard. People don't cease to freak me out 
amaze me. I mean, this is, I think, I think that he was diagnosed with some sort of um, paranoid schizophrenia or something like that. But you know, like he's a smart guy, a historian, but it kind of like adds to the puzzle. You know, maybe he was into ancient Egypt and maybe he really was interested in mummification and how it would make them live on forever and that kind of thing. Super interesting. But like I said, there better be a movie made about this. And if there's not going to be, then somebody needs to contact me because I'll make it happen. (laughs) I don't know how, but I will. So once again, for those of you listening, I am holding a martini glass with a mysterious bluish purplish liquid. I think this one's more blue this time. And I've titled it the Kitty Lixer. And it's delicious. Highly recommend. Recipe will be on Patreon. (laughs) I just wanted to touch on strange triggers for people. So, and I'm not talking about the way that ASMR triggers you. uh, But things that just freak you out. I have three three major triggers. The first one and the worst one is definitely the thought of biting onto a fork with all like my front teeth, with all my front teeth. Or a spoon really hard. That that is like literally torture. I've done it before, of course. And I don't know what it is and how, why my teeth react that way. It's just the most, it's the worst. It just shakes me to my core. The second thing is touching lettuce. <laughs> so I, if I touch lettuce, I can eat lettuce. I like salad. I love salad. I like lettuce on my sandwiches or wherever. But touching lettuce just does something to me that, I don't know, it's like biting on a fork. Similar, similar type thing. I can't really touch it without making a strange face or feeling like my my back molars are going to bust because I'm clenching my teeth so hard. (laughs) Why the hell is it that way? Was it some sort of trauma from my childhood? I have no idea, but that's just something that I have. Uh, And the last thing is slug slime is so gross to me. I'm not super squeamish, right? I don't, I can eat different things. I'm pretty much nothing. I will never vomit at the sight of pretty ever anything. I mean, that I know of. Uh, But yeah, those three things. Are you somebody who makes a big deal about your own birthday? This is a topic that I've had, I've had discussions like with my family about and um, I just, it, okay, I'm not somebody who needs a lot of attention, (laughs) believe it or not. Uh, I don't, I don't take offense to somebody not calling me on my birthday, forgetting to text. It doesn't bother me. I don't get personally hurt at the thought of somebody forgetting about my birthday. Um, But 
there are people that would never talk to you again. So what is it about birthdays and your own birthday that make it a big deal or don't like what is it I don't get it now it's not a problem to throw yourself a birthday party and you know want your family and your friends around you and that's great and I've done that myself uh, but the like getting offended when somebody doesn't send you a text on your birthday or sends you a late text uh it's sort of ridiculous and if you're one of those people (laughs) don't take it personally I can't tell you how many times I've forgotten to text my brother or my sister on their birthday and then realize that you feel bad you're like oh crap I forgot but never ever 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 would they hold it against me and be like yeah well back in 2011 you didn't even text me on my birthday that's dumb (laughs) that's really dumb uh that's my opinion. Uh, and of course, I have the fantasy. Like, I've never had somebody throw me a surprise party. Um, and I would be so appreciative. Like, it would be so much fun. Don't get me wrong. I would be like, oh, my goodness. You know, like, that is so, so nice. Uh, but I just don't, I don't know. My mom, growing up, you know, my parents always made an effort to make us feel special on our birthdays you know I get to go out for dinner with them by myself you know without my brother and my sister uh that was special and and of course you know gifts and but it was never anything extravagant or or huge maybe people that are raised with huge birthday parties great gifts you know through carry that throughout their life right uh is this topic boring (laughs) is this boring you (laughs) um excuse me it's just something that I thought that I would bring up because I find that obviously these are sort of high maintenance people or people that are just hurt by things that don't really matter it's sort of like I have friends and pretty much all of my friends if I don't talk to them for three months, we we pick up where we left off. There's no question like, oh, why didn't you call me like for three months? What's going on? You know, are you mad at me? That drives me crazy. I don't want, I don't want to feel like I can't call you now because it's been three months and you're going to be mad at me because you're wondering why I didn't call you back, right? For me, I just want to say goodbye, leave on good terms, always like, see you whenever. And life gets in the way and you don't see somebody forever. And then, you know, you pick up where you left off. There's no, there's no um, assumption that you're angry or that you don't care or that you're rude or something, you know, that drives me. I feel like those kind of people are just super offended when you forget their birthday and I will avoid them at all costs. I'm going to end on this question. What would you choose as your last meal? And don't say kitty liquor because that's my answer. No, I'm just joking. Uh, 
your last meal, whatever circumstance it may be, prison, you're about to be electrocuted, or maybe, you know, the world is ending tomorrow and tonight's the night (laughs) to have your last meal. Uh, I've thought about this and I've been asked this question before and I think that if I could choose something as my very last meal, it would be mashed potatoes, gravy, corn on the cob, sweet corn on the cob, a rare juicy steak with lots of fat on the side. So maybe like a, maybe like a prime rib, but prime ribs are not as rare as I'd like. Well, a really good prime rib. And for dessert, I would have creme brulee. As a drink, I would have the best red wine that I've ever had, a little glass of chocolate milk. (laughs) That would be my last meal. It wouldn't be tarantula or (laughs) scorpion, (laughs) water beetles. No, no, believe it or not. I would not choose anything besides that kind of traditional type meal. I guess it kind of reminds me of my childhood. That's why, you know, the traditional meat potatoes type thing. Every Christmas, my aunt would put on the meal of the century. (laughs) She always did. And and my uncle uh, hosted Christmas dinner ever since I can remember. And I remember one, whether it was Christmas dinner, I'm pretty sure it was Christmas dinner, but I think one Christmas dinner, one year we did, they did uh, steak with a beautiful strip of fat on it. And I was probably like eight or nine years old. And you know, when you're little and you kind of hang out under the table, (laughs) you remember everybody's knees and legs and socks and feet. Uh, And I remember being that small and I remember having this beautiful steak, having the fat off of it, and then loading my plate with sour cream, real fresh sour cream with a bit of zing to it. You know, there are people that don't know, and maybe they don't like sour cream, don't eat it. That sour cream, good sour cream, has like a little zing. It's got this little zesty feeling on your tongue. (laughs) That's good sour cream. That's the kind of sour cream that I like to eat. Anyway, it was zesty, zingy sour cream, steak fat, the best ever. Maybe that would be my last meal. Anyway, some sort of meat, mashed potatoes, sour cream, for sure. I left that out the other one, but that's, that's my dream. I've got lots more to talk about, but I think I'll save it for episode four. Uh, Just so you guys know, uh, I branched off of my Instagram page, uh, cat.wonders and now I have a kitty.licker Instagram page so if you want to kind of stay tuned with updates and that kind of thing then follow me there also follow me on cat.wonders on Instagram uh, like this video for those of you watching <laughs> like this video and subscribe to my channel so you don't miss any of my podcasts and of course follow me on Spotify and then you won't miss 
you won't miss a beat. You can also follow me on Patreon, OnlyFans, and Subscribestar. My 25 Days of Micro Bikinis starts May 1st and runs through to May 25th. Now, there will be bonus videos. There will be stilettos. There will be erotic outfits, strip teasing, and slingshot bikinis. I guess a slingshot isn't a bikini, but a slingshot swimsuit. And if you're curious about this, you don't know what the heck I'm talking about, you can Google what a micro bikini and a slingshot swimsuit is. Uh, essentially, they're kind of like being naked on the beach, but not quite. <laughs> So 25 videos with 25 different styles of micro bikinis and outfits. And we have so much fun over there. So head over to patreon.com slash cat wonders. If you want to participate in my 25 days of micro bikinis. Woo! <laughs> and uh, of course, my OnlyFans starts at $5. Or my OnlyFans is $5 a month. And there you will see extra sexy content as well. And subscribe star. All of those will be linked below in the description box. And uh, if you're listening to this podcast, then head to my YouTube page. Just go to YouTube and type in Cat Wonders. Go to my page, my channel, I should say. And uh, all the information will be there. Or go to patreon.com slash Cat Wonders. Sponsoring myself. Well, thank you all so much for spending this time with me. I appreciate it if you made it all the way to the end. Uh, you listened to me ramble, and I really appreciate it. Uh, your feedback is appreciated. Please leave your comments down below. Let me know your thoughts on all of these topics if you wish. I have been doing my best to respond to comments and read all of them, and uh, it just warms my heart that... We're just having these discussions and it's just so much fun. Uh, of course, I'm still posting my bikini videos. My plan is to do bikinis on Mondays and I shouldn't say bikinis, but try on videos on Mondays and my podcast on Fridays. So you can look forward to that every Friday at least. And of course, my try on videos on Mondays. So subscribe so you don't miss any of it. So that concludes this episode of Kitty Liquor. That's L-I-Q-U-O-R. Don't get it twisted. I appreciate all of your time and just want to say a big thank you to all of you for your support. And I'll see you all in my next video.